Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, episode number 27. Wowzers. Right? It is 27, huh? <laughs> Start to lose track after that. Yeah, you know, you just, you put out 26 and then next thing you know it's 27. Yep, and next week it'll probably be 28. <laughs> Odds are high. Odds are I put money on it. Let's perhaps. just skip a number. <laughs> <laughs> Throw everybody off. Wait. Welcome to episode 528. <laughs> Wait, what? what? I can't find the rest of their stuff. That would actually be hilarious to be like, yeah, we've been going for years. Oh, yeah. What, you, we haven't been attention. Yeah. Yeah. We really, we, we uh, backlog the other uh, 400, mm-hmm. 500 episodes for, um, <laughs> you know, the Patreon subscribers that oh, we don't yeah. have. Join our Patreon. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very subtle but ingenious way to get Patreon subscribers. Yeah, it is. And then they go there and then there's not 500 episodes available. So It'd be like, oh, we're releasing them weekly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, then we quickly lose those Patreon subscribers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, delete. <laughs> My money was fraudulently taken. Uh, well, don't want to be, yeah, be those guys. Yeah, yeah. So we're here, episode twenty-seven. We've got two of the ECBB crew. You've got Joe, and you've got Nick. Elsie is not with us today. She's out wrangling gophers again. Yeah, you know it's that time of year. Um, mm-hmm. The gophers just need wrangling. They do. Got to get a little tiny lasso. Those wicker furniture pieces aren't going to make themselves. You've got to, <laughs> you know, kind of weave all the pieces of wicker together. Oh, that's a, like a tongue twister. <laughs> weave the wicker. <laughs> weave the wicker. Oh man, that would be. Where the wicker even come from? Is it just like soft wood? Or? I don't know. That's a great question. What is the wicker man? Wicker. Wicker. Oh, the wicker man comes <laughs> to give us a <laughs> Clearly, I know the words. Uh, Soon the may man. the wicker man come yeah. to bring us outdoor furniture, y'all. <laughs> outdoor furniture. <laughs> I mean, we had a uh, what are those round chairs with the oh yeah cushions? Like yes, big, we had one of those inside too, like the big chairs that called half dome thing. Yeah, we had one of those inside, and mm-hmm. it was wicker at my first home growing up uh, for family home. It was wild. It was just a. Uh, a yeah. chair that looked like it was like a like porch or lawn furniture, and it was in our living room. I feel like that was such a 90s thing, because yeah. we had the exact same thing, like a big cushion thing. It's like a half sphere mm-hmm. that you like sit in and... <laughs> take, take a nap in. Yep, exactly. Oh, so what you got over there, Nick? I see a, a can, a can yeah. of beer. We've made it this far and haven't cracked a beer yet, but it's time to crack a beer. Crack, crack a, beer. a beer. This is um an actual... Um, actually, a selection from Eurisco Beer Company. So, Eurisco. East Carolina, we're going a little bit west here. Actually, Ooh, very west. To west Asheville. Carolina. Um, I just had a trip to Asheville that concluded uh, this past weekend. So, I stopped at Eurisco from uh, in Asheville on the way out of town. So, I picked up their Penny Cup Coffee Porter, which is one of their most known beers, I suppose, or one of their flagships that mm. uh, is highly rated on Untapped and well-loved by the community, so I had to take some for myself to give us a try. Yeah, Nick bringing back some treats, and here comes the crack. Ooh. I feel like that was a nice slow crack. It was like... Now the pour. It's always nice when you go uh, out of town to these places like Asheville or Charlotte or Durham. Mm -hmm. The big hubs for craft breweries. And of course, you, you really enjoy it while you're there, but it's good to take some of that back home with you. Yeah, that is a deep, rich color right there. I'm gonna find a way to get this across the table to you. I'm hooked up to headphones. Uh, yeah, Joe's—he's immobile right now. I'm immobilized, and Nick is very far away from me. He's at the other end of like a seven-foot table. 
It's all for the acoustics. For the know. acoustics in our large room that echoes a lot. It's very important. I will say from afar, this beer, re dark, dark, rich, deep, brown to black color, a nice tan head. Thank you, sir. Uh, and a pretty decent collar of foam on there. It looks kind of uh, velvety. Doesn't look too... You know how some beers have like a, a soda looking head? You know, like you pour it and it foams up like a soda would. This, yeah. This one looks yeah. a little thicker, a little creamier. It does. It has a, I guess, a lot of integrity to it. A lot of, a little bit, a little bit of lace in the glass, but it kind of, it kind of recedes as the beer goes down. But yeah, um, definitely some weight to the head, and it's um, looking like something that'll persist through most of the beer. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That yeah, kind of just like fizzy, bubbly appearance versus like a a whipped kind of like mm-hmm. heavy weighted head, which I actually like because if I take a drink and I have a a foam mustache afterwards, I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah. And I'll tell you the the thing that I first hits me when I smell this is coffee bean. Like it smells like I'm oh yeah. You know, just either ground up some coffee or I'm getting ready to pour the beans in the grinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's interesting with coffee, we've talked a lot about aromas and we've had certainly a lot of porters. We have a whole episode about porters. But there's just such a range, I think, with the coffee aroma the roastiness i mean it's you can have something that's just pure coffee beans it can be kind of like fresh ground coffee mm-hmm. some like I, i've even described beer as like a light roast coffee particularly because it's got that distinct kind of like fruity estery nutty yeah. coffee aroma then you've got your really roasty like espresso style coffee flavor and aroma so it's just kind of the whole gamut this one definitely is like you said it's airing on the side of just being coffee beans like fresh roasted coffee beans yeah before it's been brewed into that that delicious nectar of the gods bean juice but you know i'll get even more specific there's some sweetness in there and a little bit of chocolate it smells to me like chocolate covered espresso beans Ooh, nice and like like there's just a little bit of sweetness coming out oh my that's really that's really quite good yeah and it tastes like it too to me it's like i wouldn't say it's like rich dark chocolate but it's i think just that sweet note that's really wrapping up that fresh ground coffee thing you know when i was a kid i was weird actually i still kind of do it it's like you go to the grocery store not so much in covid times but you know like the the pour your own beans thing if there were like loose beans on the thing i would like grab one and eat it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh it's kind of hard to eat a coffee bean a raw coffee bean but uh yeah it's got just a different flavor before it gets ground up and then having hot water oh yeah to extract oils instead of Mm-hmm. Just, you know, the, the pure flavor of coffee beans can't be matched just by brewing mm-hmm. it. Um, and actually what I like is a lot of, a lot of, at least in North Carolina breweries that do a coffee porter, they collaborate either with a local roaster or I know Raleigh breweries do a lot of stuff with counterculture, which is I mean, in Durham and they're, and they're a pretty large distributor of coffee beans, but this is actually named after uh, their collaboration with Penny Cup Coffee. So Ooh, the Penny Cup yeah. Coffee Porter, it's a name that speaks for itself. I like that sort of collaborative relationship you've got between two local businesses. And it comes in at 6%, so Not too right bad. on par with a nice good coffee porter. Yeah, this is great. I feel like I could replace a cup of coffee with this morning cup. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say 6%. It's right in that range where you can have one in the morning and still function. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's I, like right in that functional alcoholic range, you know, you just have one yeah. in the morning, one in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what my, my plan was when we were in Asheville. Uh, Jen and I got back 
the other night, but what to be a functional alcoholic? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I wanted to to have a good time, but also be functional and and have some longevity to to withstand the day, knowing that we were going to hit a ton of breweries while mm-hmm. we were there. But uh, I started every day except for our our la- our return trip day because I I know we had a long Driving. drive ahead. But uh, started every day with a shower beer. Ooh, sunny! I had the sunny little thing from Sierra Nevada. It's their new addition to the little things series uh it's a wheat beer with citrus and um really nice light i think like five ish percent beer goes great in the morning uh with yeah. the, with the shower <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's kind of like orange juice with a little bit of uh you know that that kind of wheat malt bill like a beer mosa yeah in a can and i actually had a beer mosa too yeah i mean i could probably <laughs> go through my my check-ins and cross off almost half of the styles that you you could come up with off the top of your head. But uh, yeah, it was a good shower beer. This could be a good replacement of that if you want like a good coffee beer yeah, hybrid. Unique experience coffee beer. Coffee porter, I don't think it was like a shower beer, but it would be kind of cool actually. Yeah, I've never had like a coffee porter as a shower beer in the morning. That'd be a good idea mm-hmm. or a good experiment. Well, you know what I'm I made? Curious. Speaking of shower beers, I yeah. 3D printed a shower beer holder. Oh, nice. And got some like suction cups off Amazon. And like it sticks on there. I'm testing it out, but the problem is the suction cups are a little floppy, so it like oh, it tilts leans, down. Yeah. But it still stays on there pretty good because it's got a decent lip. But just funny the yeah. things that you can make. <laughs> but yeah, so what what was uh, your highlights from your trip besides your daily shower beers? Uh, well, that was a highlight. It was kind of, it kind of set the tone for the day. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, if I do a shower beer, uh, I'm I'm kind of getting the right mindset. But I needed to get, you know, some. Some water in me as well. Some actual caffeine. So you just uh, open your food. mouth in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> just stand back and, and let the water rinse off the, uh, the sins of the day before. <laughs> or the demons out of me. But no, I mean, we had a good time. We we started off uh, our trip Friday with a good hike. We did the uh, Falling Glass Rock, I think is the name of the trailhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about a six-mile round trip, but it ended on a, a very sheer cliff that had of a, a, a glassy rock face oh, and cool is that the one you can slide down, down? Oh, you no. could i mean you could yeah you, you die but no <laughs> there's also oh, parts the, there's parts along it where you can actually just kind of go up a different uh like face of like this glass rock yeah. and slide down and not die yeah there's um, i was thinking there's one like <laughs> called sliding rock or something out that yeah. way isn't there I think that I can, I'm, I might be butchering the name. It's either sliding rock or sliding glass rock or something like oh, okay. that. But yeah, there's various <laughs> points off of the, before you get to the actual, you like, can go down the hill. Yeah. You can like go up and slide down something if you really wanted to. <laughs> if you don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> there's one where you can do it multiple times and one where you do it one time only. <laughs> <laughs> this is a one trip. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot quicker on the way down though. If you do that way. So. Yeah, exactly. Less exertion. Two hours on the way up and 30 seconds on the way down. <laughs> um, but no, it was, that was a really good hike. Finished that. Ended up at a uh, uh, a stop at Sierra Nevada, which I'm always excited about because the last time we went there, which I believe was for Tyler's bachelor party. Oh yeah, way yeah, back in August, August twenty twenty. They were not mm-hmm. yet open for tap the tap room. It was only curbside pickup. We had gone just before COVID really struck and shut everything mm-hmm. down. So it was nice to go back to there and have the tap room open. It was a little chilly, so we didn't stick around outside too much, but you know, under a heater or with the sun in your face, it's a little bit more tolerable. Yeah. Um, I just enjoyed getting to some breweries that I don't get to try out here though. That was probably my favorite mm-hmm. part as much as I enjoy the big places like new Belgium and Sierra Nevada. Yeah. Um, you can get their beers 
a lot of the time because our distribution network is a lot larger. But you get to places like Burial or Bramari, some of uh, even like High Highwire and Catawba. Uh, they don't have yeah. they have distribution, but not some of their like limited batches or their new releases don't quite get canned and shipped out this way. So did didn't Burial open a tap room in Durham? They did. Yeah. Think, yeah. It's not. Is it Charlotte? Asheville and Durham now, I, I think? think so. Yeah, but yeah. I still, I got to go to Durham, I'm telling you. Yeah, we should do a Durham trip because they've got, uh, I've noticed that a lot of the breweries in Asheville that are kind of growing, are their markets are moving from, you know, Asheville to adding to Charlotte to Durham. Mm-hmm. Wilmington is also getting a few. I think Catawba has one in Wilmington. So, oh, yeah. Um, but it was really nice just to get to some of those that I haven't been to in years. And I, I think we went to 14 oh, yeah. different breweries. So, yeah, I kept seeing them. I was like, Twin Leaf. <laughs> Wicked weed, check, all check. these things. Jealous, jealous. But yeah, Eurisco. Yeah. I don't think is one of I've ever been. A, oh, Dissolver. Dissolver's always oh, good. Dis- when I saw that, I love mm-hmm. Dissolver. But yeah, I don't think I've ever been to Eurisco before. I like the little uh, Raven logo they got on there. Yeah, nice logo. They've got a good selection of their sort of flagship or staple beers, and then they do have a nice, a neat tap room that we stopped in just to pick up the beer. But mm-hmm. next time we go to Asheville, I think it'd be a good stop to pop in and check out the tap room, have a few beers on draft. It's a good vibe. It was funny. They had signs on the way up. It was like on a second floor of this building. So going up a couple of flights of stairs and there's signs about no unattended children, no dogs in the <laughs> tap room. And we get to the door at the top of the stairs. And this dog greets us. I'm like, okay, so no dogs except for this dog. I thought you were going to say there's an unattended child riding a dog. <laughs> <laughs> might, might as well have been. There was virtually nobody in there yet. It, it just opened. And uh, I, I assume the dog was the owners the, or the bartenders, or the, the oh, owners, yeah, yeah uh, working. So it's probably more of a cautionary thing so that dogs don't get into tough holes. Maybe his dog is mm-hmm. sort of a protector yeah. or just kind of not great with other dogs. So Speaking it was of just that, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that. I mean, we saw a post from one of our local breweries about that issue. And I think that's com- becoming a hot topic in the craft beer world with tap rooms, especially the nature of them. They've always been kind of family friendly friendly despite being a, a place that you know produces alcohol versus your right traditional bar like people are always willing to bring their families to tap rooms and stuff and it's it's interesting to see the the dynamic that some families take with it you know they just kind of let their kid run around and like I've seen some where the kids are like trying to sit at the bar and the bartenders are trying to be like hey you legally can't be here like right, you need to get out and just like kind of where the parents and we've had experience where like some kids have run up and like talked to us complete random strangers at a <laughs> drinking yeah. establishment just to this person's kid that we have no idea who yeah. they are just like coming up and being weird uh <laughs> yeah but where i mean are your parents <laughs> yeah i mean i'm all for like you go into breweries i'm like yeah if i have a family i'm definitely going to go to a brewery but i, I don't want them running around a drinking establishment alone <laughs> yeah there's just so much liability there and and risk that's involved with that establishment and, mm-hmm. and unattended children or even pets. I mean, there's glass that could get broken. That could be a hazard. Uh, obviously local Oaks had experiences with that. There's other issues with things getting damaged. And then, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, like, who's at fault? Where does the fault lie? And yeah, well, like even like forbid, like if a kid was like running around unattended and picked up a glass and started drinking somebody's beer, you know, oh, like, yeah. what would you do? And then it's, it's just kind of a tricky situation. And, I feel like some people, I don't know, they might take advantage of it and be like, oh, I don't need to watch my kid. I'm just going to enjoy myself and have some beers, which I understand you got to get away from your kids. But 
Yeah. I wouldn't let loose in a drinking establishment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by all means, enjoy yourself and, and have family time at a brewery, but you've got to be the responsible adult there and, and take you know better care of your children mm-hmm. or pets or both. If you're bringing the whole family out, just don't be checked out, essentially. Just be... Yeah. I mean, be a good person and be a good parent. So that should go for any establishment, really. Like, where else would you go with your kids and just let them run off, you know? Yeah. If it's not like a a private house or a a family event, if it's a public business, you're not going to let your kids run around without any kind of supervision. So it doesn't really make sense that people feel that, Mm -hmm. like, luxury to do that at a brewery. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Just because there's a beer garden outside doesn't mean it's your backyard. Yeah, it's not a playground. It's just interesting. Yeah. Which... I know it can be a touchy subject for people, but it's just once it starts like damaging the business and everything, it's it's tough to watch after a little bit. Yeah. But but yeah. So well, off topic there, but glad well, you enjoyed your kind of your, yeah. your Asheville trip and you went to a million breweries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, million beers, a million breweries. It was really good though, yeah. Um so I think Jen and I were pretty much on par most weekend with our beers. I think we both had around 35 different yeah, unique I, beers, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. It's hard to say that we would get that many mm-hmm. on a weekend here just because, you know, we're, we're getting the same beers and we're kind of limited on that. Like I said, that scope of what these breweries in Nashville will send out. So yeah. it's nice just to get, go get it from the source. We got to do a tour, which was nice. I'm always down for a brewery tour, mm-hmm. uh, getting to know about the history of some of these breweries, some of their sort of un- uniqueness or, some of their uh, standards that are different uh, from other breweries. A, a lot of North Carolina breweries are also like very sufficient and self-sustaining and mm-hmm. uh, environmentally friendly, which I think is really nice to see that there's a lot of progressiveness in the beer industry, especially in our state. So oh, yeah. it's nice just to witness that. Yeah, for sure. It's just the, the whole beer, beer culture of Asheville is super cool to experience and to go to and just yeah. just love it. It's great. We should go sometime yeah. this fall. Yeah, let's, let's go it. right now. Right now. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> see ya. See you later. All right. That was episode number 28. 27. <laughs> 28. And 27 and 28. We, yeah, because we're going to be gone for three weeks at least. Yep. Episode yeah. 528. Uh, uh, you ready to crack this other beer that's been sitting here looking at us? That yeah. one was delicious, by the way. I loved that. Yeah. Well, there's another can. We got one for LC. If if it makes it, uh, maybe maybe she doesn't have to know about it. Yeah. What we'll else? The other one. And, uh, as far as she knows, it never existed. <laughs> but yeah, I'm ready for a switch up. What do we got for the uh, the second cracking of a beer? Well, we've got a selection from Hopfly. This is Albemarle. Is that after the Albemarle sound, if I'm saying that correctly? Uh, this is an English brown ale, 4.8% alcohol by volume. You've probably heard us had some selections from Hopfly before, but they are a staple of Rocky Mountain now in Charlotte, right? Oh, yeah. I'm excited to go to Charlotte again and try their new tap room there. Yeah, exactly. So let's give this a crack. Sounds like a very soft beer. Very gentle. I feel like our latest hot fly brews that we've done on the podcast, at least, have been part of their textile series. So, yeah, this one's nice to switch up a little bit. It's not. (laughs) There's your glass, sir. Now, English Brown Ale. It's living up to its name. It looks nice in the glass, I gotta say. Crystal clear, but also nicely brown. <laughs> it's brown and it ale. likes fish and chips in it. What's that? Cheerio. Oi. <laughs> Oi, mate. Down for Cheeky Nando. I hope I haven't offended anybody with <laughs> that really poor English impression. Top, let's smash it. Top, let's smash it. 
Uh, yeah, this uh, beer, actually a nice can. Um, Very clean brown, though. It's not really any haze. It's just mm-mm. got sort of a rich caramel amber color, sort of. Yeah, it's like a it's like a nice good head it's too. Very nice looking. I gotta say, quite good. Uh, on the can, they tell us it's brewed with brown malt, crystal malt, melanoidin malt, and Cascade hops. Nice. So I'm wondering if there's gonna, actually going to be any detectable hop flavor with the, from the Cascade. Yeah, I'm curious. Let's give it a old snifferino. Ooh, really nice on the nose. It's kind of sweet smelling. Mm-hmm. Definitely not as intense of aroma as our last beer, but to be expected. Ooh. Oh, there's a little bit of hop character there. Mm-hmm. There is. It's it's nice. It makes it very well-rounded. This mm-hmm. is a delicious beer. I think we're wow crushing it with selections tonight. Now, the only thing is... What's LC's well, pick? pick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let us down, Elsie, who's not here to defend herself, but it better not be bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh, left us a pick, even though she's out uh, doing underwater basket weaving. Like <laughs> <laughs> I going to say underwater basketball. <laughs> underwater, underwater basketball. She shoots. And it's floating. She's out slapping. It's still floating. Chris Rock. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Keep Lauren's beer out your mouth. <laughs> oh, I'm really enjoying this, though. Wow. Mm-hmm. What's the ABV on this bad boy? I'm going to guess it's probably 5.152, maybe. Close. 5.3? Lower. 5 flat. Lower. <gasps> A sub 5? 4. 4.8. 4. 4.8%. Wow. Lower. What's that from? <laughs> lower where they're like doing something and he's like lower and he keeps saying lower over and over again it's like family guy or something oh i don't know i'm thinking of i think the first austin powers maybe oh maybe the second yeah. one. Oh, maybe i think it's the second austin powers he was what was the girl heather graham's character she was like the main girl in that movie yeah i can't remember was it felicity felicity Some, shagwell yeah yeah <laughs> Um, Felicity Shagwell. <laughs> Austin Powers was giving her uh, a massage, I think, and he's like, "How's that feel, baby?" She says, mm, "Lower," and he's like, "How does that feel, baby?" <laughs> yeah, <there we> go. <laughs> That's what it was. Just yeah. such a Mike Myers thing. It the really comedy is. there. Wow. For I mean, I'm not, I guess, that thrown off because it's not a a strong beer, but it's just so much flavor packed into a four point eight percent brown ale of all things, too. I mean. Brown ales I also just attribute to being malt forward and pretty light in character. This mm-hmm. one has that good uh, hot character from the Cascade hops. Yeah. I think it's a nice like sweet malt bill, and it's like a, mm-hmm. like I said, well rounded. Yeah, it's super, very, very balanced. I feel like the the hops kind of round it out and give it a little bit of bitterness, but not too much. Yeah. But they also give it like herbal spice, quality yeah. too, mm-hmm. um, which I don't really think from Cascade. I wouldn't be really expecting that. Yeah, no, it's like like some earthy spiced hop character but i guess there's a little bit of some some like estery notes in there it's just more muted by the sweetness of the malt and that kind of like so the the earthy roundness of the yeah but it's not too 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 sweet it's not too syrupy Mm -hmm. the carbonation i think is dialed in on this one uh but mm, delicious wow hop fly Albemarle, Albemarle. How do you? I don't even know how to say that. Albemarle, <laughs> uh, Albemarle. Yeah. There's the Albemarle Sound in North Carolina. Uh, we're closer to the Pamlico side of things, but this is a a great great beer. And Pamlico, for the record, is a lot easier to say than <laughs> Albemarle. Albemarle, yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. two different styles, but kind of in that 
that malt forward range. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if maybe we'll get an IPA from LC's. Pick. Yeah, we'll see. I see a little bit of white on the can peeking out at me. Mm. I think it's a Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare do this, Lauren. Don't you dare. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that kind of brings us into our topics for the day. You know, I saw a couple things as I was just perusing the the beer news and things like that. And, you know, one of them I saw was this use of, it was actually an article about Pennsylvania beer. It was like, hey, Pennsylvania, you're going to start seeing phantasm powder used in your beers. And I was like, what in the world is phantasm powder? <laughs> phantasm, it's, isn't that some kind of like, it's like ghost or, it's, yeah, uh, it's like a magical or, or something yeah. like that. And I was like, really, what is this? So we started looking into it a little bit more. Uh, it's kind of a, a unique brewing adjunct mm-hmm. developed in what New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, it's from their uh, the Sauvignon Blanc grapes that they uh, are grown out there. So it's not even threw me further for a loop. I was like, grapes yeah. in beer? What? So it's kind of curious to me that yeah, we're diving into a completely different sort. Like it's it's supposed to sort of you know work in the same way that hops add flavor mm-hmm. to beer, but we're going now to grapes, which is synonymous with wine so yeah that was really striking to me too uh, and it's similar compounds though i guess uh as i was reading kind of into it they they mentioned that it's sort of to ac- accentuate or enhance the flavors that you can get from your hops uh those trials there's this new process it's all like really chemical and interesting there's some really good articles out there uh, i read one from fueledbyhops.com talking about this new phantasm product mm-hmm. i think the company that's developing this has been selling it they're also they're also working on some other similar products that will do the same the same concept but it's different flavors yeah or different adjuncts so yeah fueled by hops.com they talk about phantasm and uh the breweries are starting to use it i guess the the, the ones that are sort of pioneers for this which mm-hmm. is really brave i think to kind of go yeah, out on a limb with yeah. this brand new product which had been tested for years so i mean mm-hmm. it's, it's been in the works but to be one of the the first to really take a, a leap of faith that this yeah. could add to your your beer catalog. Well, I guess too. I mean, craft beer. There's a an explosion, right, of breweries. So finding your niche, finding your unique uh, capacity in which you can brew a beer, I think is is huge. So this new ingredient, I I bet we'll be seeing some more of it. So is it's from what I was reading, you know, and I was looking at an article on porchdrinking.com, mm-hmm. also a great website. Yeah. <laughs> like one of my favorite com. Yeah. Let's just do it. Um, they talk about, uh, it coming from the skins of Sauvignon Blanc. Great. Yeah. Is that, that's interesting. So they like, what do they do? Like freeze dry it. And yeah. So I, I, I was kind of curious what, you know, the purpose was of this, mm-hmm. these powders, this, this phantasm powder in particular. And, you know, it's it's not necessarily a replacement or substitute. It's actually just an adjunct, and it's a mm-hmm. it's an enhancer of these thiols, these compounds that already exist in your hops and a lot of hop varieties, and also in some barley malts. So the thiols are what are a precursor to some of these aromas and flavors that are potentially going to be emitted out of the beer mm-hmm. that you're consuming through the brewing process. But the phantasm powder is this, which is you know, like I said it's it's derived from these skins from the Sauvignon Blanc grapes grown in New Zealand and they're enhancing those styles that already exist in the beer. Yeah. So are we going to see a new breed of, of beer boys? Are we going to see, uh, instead of the toast, toast Kings, we're going to see the, <laughs> Some the phantasms, the Tasm boys. 
the Give Phantasm me. fans. <laughs> Hayes Bros and Phantasmos. Phantasmos. Oh, that's actually Phantasmos. Oh, like yeah, Phantasmos. Well, it's funny. You think I, I I had the same or a similar thought. You know, you're going to the the line at your brewery to check out or to you know, order a beer from the menu, and you're seeing, you know, your Imperial Stouts, your Fruited Sour Ales, mm-hmm. your Hazy IPAs, and now it's Phantasm IPAs, maybe? Yeah. I mean, just it might be a completely new style that gets developed. I'm interested to see how, over time, it's received by the, the consumers mm-hmm. and how it does commercially, and if that in turn would result in sort of a, a new style or new breed of IPA being recognized by like BJCP or some of these you know, organizations or companies that actually set the standard for for beers and beer styles. So that'll be interesting to see how that develops over time. It's still pretty early in the process of yeah. these uh, yeah. trial and, and enhancing mm. products being used in beer. So Yeah, I've heard it's pretty rare right now too. And I feel like it's the next evolution of Hazy IPA and the hype between it. You know, yeah. I feel like it's going to probably explode here because it's, it's what? It's enhancing the tropical notes that you get in beer, those style yeah. compounds. So, you know, one of the things with those Hazy IPAs and IPAs in general is you want to drink them quick because they're, uh, you know, losing that with those volatile compounds. So if you can use something that'll boost that and get you more of that flavor, I, I think I see some like brewers, you know, jumping all over that, especially because what's in right now, tropical, hazy, oh, yeah. fruity IPAs. So boost it up and you're there. Yeah. I mean, we already have some beers we refer to as hot bombs. Mm-hmm. These you know, these phantasm powders and similar products that are being developed are only going to, I think, accentuate those hot bomb beers already. And it's going to be interesting to see how far they're willing to sort of stretch that. There's a lot of science right now where I'm reading behind uh, this process of development. It's just been a lot, of, a lot of chemists, a lot of scientists working on it and doing a lot of mm-hmm. taste testing. And it's been 100% of the time uh, recognized and detected. It's very easy to detect the difference between the same beer brewed with and without these okay. powders brewed in it. So it's a noticeable difference. I, I think the sort of the, the cautionary part of this is, you know, how far can you really go with these adjuncts and before and it gets before it just, it's like <laughs> unpalatable at that point, you know, it's just too juicy too, uh, you know, too hoppy in, in flavor. And that might be a little bit off putting. So I think it's just, you know, maybe using it too or using it sparingly because I think the, the potency is just what's, so breathtaking about this is mm-hmm. the sort of the thiols are the precursors that are already in these ingredients. They're there and they're just kind of muted and they're kind of hidden. Mm-hmm. And so this but really brings them out and it's like, you know, up. you want to moderate that still without um, totally changing how people taste beer too. Cause you know, I, I think we've all become accustomed to a certain level of, you know, juicy tropical flavors in our hoppy mm-hmm. beers. So if that's just like, taken to the max it might be a little bit off-putting yeah and I, I could see people either loving or hating this you know just i feel like it's just like the whole haze haze beer culture too like it's yeah. either it's super hyped and people are waiting in line for hours or there's like haters that are oh i don't want to try this you know oh everybody loves it i hate it you know the mainstream is hated yeah and plus uh adjuncts too can be seen you know as impure for beer getting all Ryan Heights boat on it, but like people may not want to include that because it's just an artificial additive to the beers. So I'm, I'm curious. I, I'd like to try one with it and without it and see what the difference is. And 
it's just very interesting and also an interesting name phantasm powder <laughs> yeah sounds like a drug <laughs> yeah there was another one it was something it was something with punch in the name um i saw a video that it came from the company that actually was doing uh some of the work they were doing uh, omega yeast they're talking about the process of thiolized you know these powders that are thiolized and they're breaking down these compounds into a, a powder where you can add it to the beer. So mm-hmm. uh, I think Cosmic Punch was maybe the other name I'm thinking of. And it Cosmic Punch. Sounds like a, a juice or like a, a, a Capri Sun or something. Cosmic Brownies. Oh, Cosmic, Cosmic Brown- Punch. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think we'll see these more. Right now it seems, like you said, limited in the market of craft beer. So I don't know at what point we'll see those in our our backyard, but I sure would like to try it if I get the opportunity. Yeah, I feel like we'll see a lot of this too. Very interesting um, new ingredient, but just one of the things. <laughs> Some fun reading though. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you you pointed it out to me and I was like, oh, I've never even heard of this yet. But it, it's weird because it's, it's been, you know, a few years in the making mm-hmm. now where it's been in development in talks with small craft breweries that are willing to sort of, you know, take that leap of faith yeah, and, and just experiment and a little bit. So fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, it kind of, uh, I laughed because I was thinking about, um, those dips have you seen those things where you like it's like you get a little thing and you're supposed to dip your your beer glass into it like you rim the glass with like either like this marshmallow or like oh gosh. chocolate stuff and then you pour your like big imperial stout in it or something it's just like what in the world it's oh, a, yeah. we're in an age of seeing more and more beer drinking <laughs> accessories and in uh uh adjuncts like just ridiculous stuff <laughs> yeah i feel like that's what you do for some fun beer photography, but I wouldn't prepare my glass and then want to drink it that way. I mm. always use a peanut butter rimmed glass. How sticky you that peanut. peasant. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, marshmallow? Like Oh, it oh, won't even come off the glass. Gosh, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. be able to clean it. Yeah, yeah, keep the marshmallow flavor in the beer, mm-hmm. not on the rim. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even do that for like a milkshake. That just seems impractical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It's just, yeah, definitely a visual thing. Yeah. Uh, but what what else is going on in the beer news? You know, another another thing we were looking at this week and it's been hot news all over the blogs is uh, Stone Brewing, making news. Miller Coors, Battle Royale, Celebrity Deathmatch. <laughs> well, Celebrity Brewery Brewing Company Deathmatch. Sue down. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the same effect, but yeah, that was uh striking to see. I hadn't really been that, I guess, akin or privy to the yeah. the ongoing legal disputes and uh court case with this uh this issue between stone and miller cores so yeah i mean i was watching a video today and it was released in 2018 of Mm -hmm. uh cook uh you know talking yeah yeah, talking about the one of the founders of stone you know basically declaring the lawsuit like it was (laughs) him like saying i declare bankruptcy (laughs) but not a lawsuit style um and basically going after the fact that keystone one of the Miller Coors brand uh, changed his name to highlight Stone. I guess it was still called Keystone, but they just really emphasized the stone on it. Mm-hmm. And not really something I ever paid much attention to. You know, I've, I think I saw him in there, but I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Keystone. Like, <laughs> not that. But I didn't, oh, yeah. so I didn't realize it was a thing until, like, the actual, like, court case that's been going on lately. And, I mean, the ultimate ending of it, as, as of just a few days ago, is the jury granted... Uh, stone brewing 56 million i think yeah but they're originally seeking like what like 250 million or something like that yeah it was a a huge case and it 
it, you know, stems, stems back to the, the trademark and patent that Stone has on their, mm. their namesake. And they've been in, in the craft brewer world since 1996, I think. Yeah, they were one of them, the founders of the West Coast IPA, like yeah. Stone Arrogant Bastard and mm-hmm. all of those big hoppy IPAs. Yeah. And I mean, what, Lauren and I walked, watched a documentary maybe last year about uh, how they were trying to make a, a brewery, like opening an American brewery in Germany. Oh, that wow. That was like a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it was called like Beer Jesus or something like that. <laughs> I think he, that's Greg Cook's yeah, like moniker. He yeah, had like long hair, mm-hmm. beard. The beard. Yeah. Yep. But they were opening it up. That ultimately failed, I guess, like big time. Oh, wow. Uh, and they ended up closing it. But uh, very interesting thing. I mean, the, the basis of the lawsuit, yeah, was copyright infringement of the stone trademark. Which I didn't realize that mm-hmm. uh, within this thing, like Keystone had applied for, is it trademark? Am I saying the right thing? Or is it copyright on uh, the tagline of like, grab a stone or like, oh, grab gotcha. some stones. Yeah. And, but they've actually, they got denied twice, but still went ahead with the labeling. Yeah. Which I could see. Yeah. Okay. I see that. But yeah, because I, I kind of recall, I wasn't ever a huge fan of Keystone Light in college. <laughs> it was the cheapest. We <laughs> We were fans because it was the cheapest, and we bought more 30-packs yeah. than I don't even understand how many we bought. Well, and maybe you can attest to this. I mean, a lot of people I know that did drink Keystone, they referred to them as stones. It was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm drinking, you know, have a few stones, or the, like the cans themselves yeah. were kind of just synonymous with the term stones before it really became more recently used in placement of ads and everything yeah, by and Keystone I'm or trying to by think. Miller Coors. I don't know if we ever did call I think we just called them Keystones. Uh, I don't I, know, maybe just it was a Midwest thing too, but or maybe just be, kind of became a casual. Way I mean, it's to refer easy to, to say like yeah. Stone. You're not gonna be like give me a couple keys because then you're gonna get arrested for something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's an interesting case because it brings in a lot of a lot of issues, right? I mean, you can view it from different sides, and you can you, know, you can sort mm-hmm. of take your your side of the case, and really what it comes down to is you know was there intent to be infringing on their you know the trademark that the stone does legally have, they've got this patent on their, mm-hmm. their branding of stone and stone brewing and other associated trademarks. And ultimately the jury decided, you know, it was not a purposeful attack on stone brewing company. Mm-hmm. You know, Keystone has their, their name and, and, or the Miller light or Miller cores has Keystone as one of their you know most popular brands, especially for college kids and college towns. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're constantly trying to find new ways to sort of just rebrand or remarket or find mm-hmm. popular ways to advertise their brand. Well, like so, back in our college days, it was what Keith Stone. Keith Stone, yeah, He's smooth like Keith Stone. Exactly, so, <laughs> and, and it's like any other company. It's that that large. They're Gimmicks, constantly yeah. finding new ways to kind of change the the scope. I think the only people that don't change is like Allstate has the same like yeah. chaos guy for the last like twenty years that does all the commercials for or like flow from progressive. For, yeah, when you find something like that, I think it's easy just to like stick with it because it works and it's so iconic. But other brands, you know, they they just look around for you know, they read the market, they kind of see you know what's gonna help us push our brand, what's gonna be marketable as a a different naming, mm-hmm. different nicknames, different kind of mechanisms like that. And you know, I, I definitely don't think there was any intent to infringe on a trademark by. Stone. It seemed like you know they had applied for, uh, you know, rights to to market this way. It was denied. They probably didn't think there was any kind of issue using Stone Light on their can when they're still branded as Keystone. They hadn't changed the name. It was just how it was displayed on the can. I think was the yeah, biggest, and the it, biggest issue. It's tough. It's I don't know. 
you know, marketing people can be pretty devious sometimes. So you never know, like, what do they do? And right. the major basis of the lawsuit was like obfuscation of the brand, create like creating confusion in the marketplace. And Stone blamed it for a, yeah. a 20% drop in sales uh, from the time that they released this. And there, I saw some things saying that uh, Stone had like made a video where they just like asked random people, like their friend said, can you grab me some stone IPA? And then they like would have picked Keystone light because of it. So, gotcha. you know, we have the context of craft beer knowing what stone is. <laughs> Maybe not Lauren when, right. when they text yeah. the, they're like, oh, it's just some brewery. I don't know what it is. Uh, stone, stone. Uh, stone. Uh, but so I could see how like an average con- consumer would be confused, but I feel like not many would cause it still says yeah. key on it. So I have a hard time. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, it could have. I feel like when they initially started the lawsuit, like Keystone could have been like, hey, yeah, that kind of makes sense. We're just making it say stone in giant letters. So I don't know. Right. Was it intentional from that point? Or had they already invested too heavily in that campaign? And it just was like, who knows if they did it or not. Right. But the the weird thing was like how they were denied those uh, like uh, copyrights on the on the the uh, catchphrases that were like grab a stone and like stone labeling and things like that. So it seems like they would have had a red flag there where they could have turned it around. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's kind of the, I guess again, where I come back to the argument, you can kind of look at it from both sides. Mm -hmm. I don't really necessarily find myself aligning with one or the other in this case, because I definitely want to be supportive of the craft beer industry because it is a bit of like a David and Goliath type of situation with these, large corporations, the Anheuser Bushes, the Miller Coors. I mean they they've got a hold on on beer in the in the US and in, in the world. So it's hard to really, you know, penetrate that market. Mm-hmm. Craft brewing has become, I think, a lot bigger over time and it's continuously growing. There's I, I went to fourteen breweries this last weekend and, and missed a bunch in Asheville. I mean, that's one yeah, town. One town. <laughs> and it's you know, so craft breweries are popping, they're expanding, they're growing, they're having new brick and mortars built all over if they're mm-hmm. successful. So I don't think the industry is at any risk here, but at the same time, you know, it becomes down to, you know, where, where does intent lie? Was there any kind of yeah um, intent on, on Miller Coors trying to, you know, muddy the water of, about, the, you know, or, or kind of make that distinction between stone brewing, which is a large yeah, craft brewing yeah. industry, and then their domestic lager. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. And like I said, with marketing, it's, it's easy to kind know. of like step on toes a little bit and not mean to, or it could be, it could be totally malicious and, and they thought they could sort of get away with this one. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to cast judgment, but no. I think the jury made the decision that, you know, we're going to award this lawsuit at a reduced settlement fee than Stonehead, you know, yeah, gone for. But they also decided that, hey, Miller Coors, we found that they weren't purposeful in this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it comes campaign. down to, can you prove it? And yeah. I don't think they did. Obviously the jury didn't, didn't say but yeah and it's you can definitely read each situation from both sides because i've seen speculation from some like oh this was a ploy by stone trying to pay back it's it owes like 460 yeah, something million to to investors or something so they thought oh maybe this is part of that but who knows it's it's a very interesting thing and it's also interesting to see a you know a big craft brewer take on a huge you know corporation that is miller cores and in, in that beer you know i saw a stat i think it quoted said it produced 20 times the amount of beer that stone did which is quite impressive from stone because <laughs> oh yeah. like usually it's like 
a thousand times <laughs> for yeah. most breweries, but you know, who's to say that that 20% drop in sales was not because of the craft beer boom and all the different options that there are there now. It's not just, yeah. Oh, stone makes a hobby <laughs> IPA. It's all these other breweries. Yeah. The competition has become a lot thicker. I guess the, the, population of craft breweries has, has grown exponentially over the last few years and it just continues to grow and i think going back to the you know the argument of where your loyalty or your mm-hmm. allegiance lies in this case i don't think you have to pick sides i think there's there's arguments to be made to be made for both areas i was reading actually on stone brewing's website uh even just from i think it was in 2020 they, they actually had another similar incident where they were and this case going i don't want to say going after not really malicious but they have uh sort of an ongoing uh, legal dispute or a lawsuit against a a, a new craft brewery in kentucky sawstone brewing company over the, a similar issue with the mm-hmm. the naming of their brewery they they have that you know sort of the the trademark and patent and it's you know through the u.s uh patent and trademark office so they so they're, what, they're arguing that they're, you know, yeah. they had made sort of amicable attempts just to have them change it, change it. You know, they said, we didn't ask for a cease and desist. We didn't threaten a lawsuit. We just, you know, said, here's our trademark. Here's our patent for this name. And we have this sort of branding already patented and trademarked. So they, were, they asked them kindly to, you know, reconsider how they were going to brand their brewery. And I guess this led to, you know, an ongoing like back and forth. And there were um, discussions of maybe a settlement in court and then that never transpired. And so that's been something ongoing. So now people kind of viewed as like, okay, now you're attacking like your, your brethren in this industry. You know, where does that line, mm-hmm. where do you draw that line? Like how particular yeah. are you going to get with this? Cause I feel patent? like Sawstone. Yeah. It's like, unless their trademark is, well, it could very well could be, but it's like anything with the name stone in it, which I feel like would be weird. Cause if you yeah. were like, you could have like millstone, brimstone, stone brewing. Yeah, wouldn't it be funny if somebody opened a brewery called Rock Rock Brewing Company? <laughs> Boulder, oh Boulder, Boulder. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, Boulder. Oh, yeah. oh, that's a that's a form. Yeah, uh, that'd be really funny. But uh, yeah, I certainly don't want to paint Stone as this malicious, you know, craft beer giant that's just out to protect their brand at any cost and is no defame and defile anybody that gets in their way because I don't think that's the intent, but. It seems, you know, they're 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 kind of maybe pigeonholing this namesake a little too closely. Just in my opinion, I th- I think they could be a little more lenient with some of the yeah. Sawstone is not going to get confused. Yeah. I can see a beer can that says stone on it in giant letters. That might be confused by someone, right. but not if it's like sawstone versus stone with the gargoyle on it. Yeah, I think that yeah. You know, again, with your your logo and your image, I think that makes a big difference too. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, with Miller Coors and using Keystone, stone in big letters. I mean, there's not yeah, much room for because that's not logo. even the name it's of the just, brand. It's just yeah. like yeah, just like it's part of the name of the brand. Like they can do whatever. Yeah, I think the issue that kind of came from this is people that come to the defense of one part or the other, mm-hmm. and they get so entrenched in defamatory. Their- yeah, and it's just you, you know you start making hate speech online, and you start you know pointing fingers and, and getting really hostile. <laughs> I think that creates a bigger issue, and that's where companies start to really step in to defend themselves and then it looks you know it can really kind of shift the perception of the case itself yeah because now it looks you know like one party is sort of casting stones not to <laughs> not to make a bad pun but <laughs> casting it's stone. like you know we're you know one starts throwing stones and the other one's you know throwing them back and it's mm-hmm. you know i'm sure they never wanted to get to that point but 
if they're here to protect their their name and their their image by not you know letting people defame them online having you know negative comments on twitter on youtube videos on posts yeah things like that you have to, you know they have every right to defend their business and their brand if there's any, any information out there they find to be untrue or defamatory to them that's yeah you know without, without merit so yeah and i mean i don't blame them for being defensive because the large yeah. craft like the large craft the large brewing you know like big beer industry uh has been going after and doing you know acquisitions of very prominent craft breweries and it's no secret that you know craft beer is actually making a dent in their market share so they're going to try to yeah. protect themselves from that standpoint because they've got shareholders that they want to you know take care of i think uh you know it's it's tough to to say uh for each one and i think people just need to be, remain open-minded and listen to the facts and come to their own conclusion but don't be so radical i feel like radical thinking never uh, yeah helps anyone <laughs> absolutely and you know you can do your research we can read into it there's plenty more that we can read about this this is kind of mm-hmm. it, it got stirred up with by this recent uh, uh court yeah uh, decision so as they say it's news to me <laughs> yeah you know it's I, I see a lot of people that can choose sides without really having information mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna choose to not really align with anybody yet i think plenty more to learn about this yeah you know i think stone has laid out their information very accurately and appropriately and they say hey you know we we, we will support the decision of the u.s mm-hmm. patent and trademark office if they say that you know uh sawstone was not close enough to warrant being yeah. sort of uh, cease and desisted from using that namesake then we'll you know we'll support the decision mm-hmm. i think that's all they were really asking for in that case and maybe got a little bit too much grief from the public and from people that were supporting this new brewery in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and who knows if, if, if it wasn't at all fueled by stone, a what's little going bit. on so, already. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a little bit of both. I think there's no clear cut. And so there was interesting to see sort of that comparison, that similarity between you know, a huge giant, like Miller cores and then just a, a startup brewery yeah. in, uh, in Kentucky across the country. So yeah, I just thought that was really fascinating that they, you know, they, they obviously have, you know, a strong, connection to their name and they want to keep it that way mm-hmm. and i can understand that as a business owner you probably want to protect something you've developed and oh yeah it's probably like, like a child to them. Years, so. yeah you know yeah it's something that they've done and they're proud of and they've made so well and they've, and they've done very well and and, and certainly if, if they're if you know if your business's success is potentially threatened i mean yeah you're you would gonna do want to take action to, yeah mm-hmm. to step in and intervene before things got out of your control so yeah just some interesting reading some some good current beer news to to dive into i mean especially yeah. if you're into some drama so <laughs> kind of fun to to see the court the readings cases. and the comments i mean i try to stay off the comment section because a lot of people are just you know nuts. one-sided <laughs> and, and just oh yeah nuts is putting it very nicely yeah yeah but yeah little stray from our normal content but a great story to talk about you know what elsie's uh absent but she still left us a beer it's it's looking me in the face it's wrapped in some uh yingling you got a tingling for yingling. Yeah. It's wrapped in some yingling koozies that are proudly saying America's oldest brewery. Yeah. Um, Traditional lager uh, since what, like 1870 or 1880 something maybe? Uh, I don't know if it says the year on on that koozie, but... 1829. Wow, even yes. earlier than I thought. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and, and get this poured. All right. All right, for this Elsie's Picks, and she's not here, I'm going to be the... Uh, 
onlooker. I can actually know what the beer is this time, so let's give it a crack. Ooh, Nick has assumed the position, as Elsie would say. I'm now pouring his beer. And here you go, Nick. Pour myself one. All right, I'm back. Do a quick little uh, let's do smell. This will be just a Nick, Elsie pick of the week. It's me versus Lauren. Nick versus Lauren. Who will win? Place your bets now. <laughs> Fight to the death. So I'm getting another malt forward beer here. So kind of rounding out our our day. We've had a porter, a brown ale. Yeah, we've had a malty day, haven't Maybe something we? Something in the same vein. In the same vein. Well, this is kind of more, I'm getting something more in line with maybe like an amber or like a red ale, maybe. Okay. I'd be interested to see. I'm going to I'm gonna take a taste without looking at the color yet. Malty for sure. A little more aromatic than our second offering there. Yeah, I'm getting some, like a little bit of like floralness in there. Um, the malt's not roasty. It's kind of like a bit bready, maybe a little bit of spice. Okay, yeah, I like what direction you're heading in now. Yeah, I like this a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. It's good. So, I'm going to take a quick peek before I continue tasting. Oh, it's a little darker than I thought. Yeah, it is. It's it's pretty dark. You hold it up to the light, though. It's still got a hue. It's like a yeah. mix between the first beer and the second beer we had. It's dark, but yet still brown mm. around the edges where the light creeps through. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm really liking the malt flavor. Like I said, there's still a little bit of, like, like phenolic... Yes. Aroma and taste. Very true. Uh, this dial's is really going to be tough for me to kind of pinpoint because I want to say... I feel like it will too. <laughs> Based off of reading the can, I feel like it's going to be tough. Uh, it's dark and it's malty, but it's like more phenolic than like a brown ale would typically be. It's I don't think it's going to be... I mentioned like an amber. I don't, it's, not, it's not lining in color for that. So it's got to be something kind of different. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if there's any kind of... I don't know if it's adjunct or if it's like an aging process that's creating some of these additional flavors I'm picking up. I'm getting almost like a bit of a an estery like dark fruit flavor too. Estery dark fruit flavor. Yeah, kind of. I, I agree with that. I want to say kind of like a Belgian, but it's like dark. I don't know if that would be... Kind of. I think I think it is. Um, if I'm anywhere in the ballpark, I'll be yeah. pleased. So phenolic, you nailed the phenolic, mm-hmm. you nailed the spice, uh, the malty flavor. So this is actually a brewery that you just visited. Oh my God. New Belgium. <laughs> New Belgium Brewing. Oh, uh, 1554. 1554, which it says on the side, enlightened dark ale. A dark ale. Brewed with spice. Mm-hmm. So it's a dark ale. Okay. It's got a little bit of phenolic compounds, some decent spice in there. Uh, on the can, it says surprisingly bright taste with a dry chocolatey finish. Yeah, that dry finish, I guess, maybe. I Kind of non-specific the with chocolate. the style. Um, but it is a little bit of, you know, kind of got that that dark fruit, molasses-y kind of a yeah, molasses, flavor that's to a good it. One. I guess I get a little Sweet, bit of like chocolate cherry maybe at the spicy. end. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of spice in the one I like. I wonder if I've had this before. I'll have to check my, uh, my untapped, but I don't Let's know. 1554, I would imagine, would be on their like draft menu. Uh, if it's one of their canned options, I'm sure they... Yeah, that's... I don't remember ever seeing this one before, honestly. Oh, I have had it before. You have? And I had it in New Belgium. You were there, actually. It was, was January, it January 2020. Oh, yeah, when we did the tour we there, yeah. 
I did not check it in that wow. time. I must have oh, done a yes, flight. I did. Just kidding. I gave it a four point two five. So I think, and actually, my flavor profile I said malty and molasses. So Ooh. On the mark. On we're still there. on the mark. Very nice. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, it's interesting to see this again now a couple years later. It just came from New Belgium. I'm glad I didn't have it there. That would have been really embarrassing if I didn't <laughs> recognize a beer I had like two days ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Ooh, well, then again, I also had 30 other beers. So yeah, exactly. I wouldn't, At this point, I it's wouldn't all muddled. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, uh, so LC still contributing even though she's out, uh, you know, cleaning off baby ducks after an oil spill. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do She's out filming another episode of Dirty Jobs. <laughs> Mike Rowe featuring LC. Yeah, so that kind of wraps us up for episode 27. What'd you learn today, Nick? Well, I think our topics lend themselves to being really informational, educational, because for one, they're current news. So uh, out of that, I think I learned the most about the process of sort of extracting trials and the, the compound itself that's present in all of our beer ingredients. Well, not all of them, I shouldn't say that, but in many of the brewing ingredients that you're going to find mm-hmm. and enhancing those through science. Science. So I learned a lot about trials and in particular the... Files. And files and... Bi- thials. Files. Tri- files. Yes, using... Biles. Science to enhance the chemical compounds, which we perceive as taste. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, it just reinforces the idea that... uh Reinforces the idea that beer connoisseurs, brewers are kind of just at the end of the day, they're just a bunch of geeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Freaking nerds. <laughs> wow. Science. Wow. 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 Um, What'd you learn, Joe? I learned that that powder is phantasmic, but uh, not so much them grapes. Nah. Mm. Keep but the also, grapes out of my beer. <laughs> I also learned, much like uh, David, uh, stone brewing launched a stone at Goliath, aka okay, Miller Coors. <laughs> There's a lot of stone imagery there. There I is mean, a lot of stones. Yeah, if you compare the David and Goliath story to that, it's stone throwing and hurling. So Yeah. Mm. It all comes full circle. I see what they did. This was all planned back in 1996 mm, for this very mm, moment. Exactly. We see you. We see you. Mm. But yeah, so that wraps us up. Check us out on social media, Instagram at East Carolina Beer dot, uh, dot com. Gosh, check us out on Instagram at East Carolina Beer. Uh, check out our website, East Carolina Beer dot com. Uh, check us out on the old book of the face, East Carolina Beer and Brewing. We're on Twitter at East Beer. Hit us up on Gmail at East Carolina Beer at Gmail dot com. Send us some stuff. Send us a chat. Slide us a DM. <laughs> give us a phone call just kidding don't if you got our number and give us a phone call we kind of scared yeah. and don't DM us if you're just going to send us a DM that says wow you've just been selected as the winner of <laughs> fill in the blank because we I know love winning not real stuff. yeah and also every time we post a post stop saying promote it on blank like we we that's no that's not cool. we'll do our own promotion thank we'll you very much ourselves. But yeah uh, thanks for checking us out and we'll catch you for episode Okay. Cheers. See ya. <laughs>